Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and welcome back to the Framestore podcast, episode nine, part two. On Monday's episode, we engage technical animator Camilla Bianchi and creature effects TD Harrison Stark in our 13 question grilling, otherwise known as the Framestore Podcast Dailies. On today's episode, we officially launch Framestore's training network and continue the conversation where our guest co-host, Chris Williams, Global Head of Content and Curriculum, interviews our guests on the subject of learning. So without further delay, we very much hope you enjoy episode nine, part two of the Framestore podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, episode nine, part two, the second installment of our Framestore Trainer Network special with Camilla Bianchi and Harrison Stark. This is where we hand over to this week's guest co-host, Global Head of Content and Curriculum, Chris Williams, who will continue the interview where we left off on Monday. So Chris, it's over to you. Thanks, Simon. Hi, Camilla. Hi, Harrison. Welcome back. (laughs) Good to be back. Excellent. So in this part of the the podcast, what I want to do is kind of get to the bottom of your learning journey. And I want to I want to take it right back to when you were young and think about some of the first things that you ever learned. Because uh, one of the things obviously we're talking about here is the trainer network. Training, learning, it's I see it all part of the same rich mix of our our journey through life and our journey through our careers. My first question to you both is what's the first thing you can remember learning to do? And why does it stick in your mind? Oof, that is a good one. I mean, the first thing I remember actively learning is probably when I was in like first grade or something like that, I started learning to play the piano. And it's something that I've continued up till today. It was... At first, it was really, really fun, and then it was not fun for a while, uh, and I was sort of forced to keep doing it, but then it became super fun again. And so sort of one of the takeaways I got from that, or like just think, I mean, obviously not a takeaway I got at the time because I was like six or whatever, Um, but one of the takeaways now that I get from it is you need to enjoy what you're learning to really be able to learn it. Um, I think when we're little, like I'm, I'm able to, to see this firsthand because I've got a, a four-year-old at home and she's just continually, constantly learning things. And when you're li- that little, everything is learning. Everything you're doing is for the first time. And there's just like an insatiable curiosity of, oh, this is new. Oh, this is new. Oh, this is new. And but to be able to keep that up as we get older and and into the drudgery of learning new things, uh, we need to just keep finding the fun in it and the desire to to keep learning. 
brilliant. So, so you've already answered at the part as sort of one of my comebacks. Do you still do it today? And obviously, obviously you do, which is awesome. And hopefully, you'll see the connection between this question and a, and a question I'm going to ask you later on. But the the other part of the question that I'm curious about is who taught you? Can you remember who taught you? So for the piano, I I had a fantastic piano teacher. She was uh, fun. She was she made it. Uh, made it so I could play what I wanted to play. You know, it's one of those things where you can have really drilled into you, like the exercises and scales and stuff like that. And that's the way to take the, it's a, it's great to help you learn, but it's also a great way to take the fun out of the learning. And so it's, uh, so she was able to thread that needle of making me want to keep doing it while also still actually learning and not just goofing off and playing around. Awesome. Brilliant. And again, hopefully you'll see with one of my later questions why I've asked you that. Camilla, what what about you? Yeah, so I do remember uh, learning how to write. Uh, when you said that, that was the first thing that came to my mind because I my mum taught me and uh, my mum wasn't working. So we were both at home and I wasn't going to school at that age. So I learned I think I was like four to five. I remember my mom being worried about me being behind the school when I start. So then she started teaching me before I joined the school. I never thought about that until now, but I'm just thinking that it was, it was a bit of that one-to-one teaching, you know, that I do appreciate. And yeah, it was something that is you know, it's supposed to be super complex and super hard. But we I, I remember having the notebook and like writing down. Yeah, great memory. And obviously you're still writing today. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. Actually, I don't, not as much with my hands though. <laughs> but... <laughs> but that's great that your mum taught you. A bit of a, bit of a child prodigy then. Yeah, and my mum was super worried that I would like... I don't know. I know four years old, I would be behind at school. But yeah, she was very worried I would just be. All right. That, again, you know, much like in the first episode, some great answers, guys. So I, I wanted to, to follow up on one of the questions that Simon asked you in, in the first episode. It's similar to the question about your favorite mentor. I wanted to talk to you about who your favorite teacher was at school. Why why were they your favorite teacher? If you had one, I mean, I don't know how you guys got on at school, but uh, it, it'd be wonderful to understand who your favorite teacher was and why they stood out. Let's start with you, Harrison. Yeah, well, in the previous episode, I had mentioned uh, one of my most important mentors was one of my teachers. Uh, so I'm going to go with a different teacher for this one. Um, it was earlier on in my undergrad, actually, where he always made it very important to impress on us the importance of being well-rounded because a lot of these things we were learning the technical aspects of how to do things but he was like it's really important to to know history to know uh, literature to know you know all kinds of different things uh, because you can learn technically how to create you know, like an animation or, or whatever. Um, but unless you have something to tell with it, unless you have a reason for doing it, there's no point in really doing that. And so that's something that I've always taken with me is, is you don't want to be so focused on 
how you do something. It's you want to also include well, why you're doing it and what's the point of doing what you're doing. Absolutely. That's that's a great example. I think, you know, if I if I look back at some of the work I did with uh, school kids when I was working up in the northeast around showing them that actually learning the entire curriculum that they were studying would help them in animation actually because being an animator you need to understand things like story so you need to be able to write you need to be able to construct a story you need to understand mathematics you've got to understand physics you need to be able to draw so that whole sort of rich tapestry of stuff that kids are studying at school if you want to work in animation you need to know a little bit of everything so that's that's a really good thing and good that you remembered that for sure and it makes us more well-rounded and interesting people (laughs) Absolutely, 100%. What about you, Camilla? Favourite teacher? Yeah, that's hard. I've studied in many schools when I was a kid because I moved to cities and everything. So my favourite teacher is actually from I was adult already and I was studying animation in Brazil. He was an um, uh, animation teacher. He was from Argentina, actually, Nico. And then he was teaching us animation. And he could see us beyond the just the day-to-day school and that's what it was the first time I had a good connection with the teacher in the sense of like a mentor really after we finished the course you know you would keep in touch with him I remember emailing him once and and saying because I couldn't get any job in the industry and I was just like I'm in the edge now I think I'm going to give up of this whole thing and he was like, no, you need to keep trying, you know, try to do this, try to do that. So I think it's teaching more than just the technical skill. It's just seeing you as a more like rounded person, really, and just trying to guide you through it. Awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure not to mention this podcast to Saf and Adam, because they might be a little bit upset by that, that response. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I really love them as well. Actually, because we're meeting the, uh, when Bournemouth does the master event, uh, we use the frame store building. And then, yeah, I, I met Saf last time. So, yeah, he was great. <laughs> All right. So, so let's let's talk a little bit more about, you know, the reason why we're having this conversation, the trainer network. I wanted to sort of try and get an understanding really of what sort of disciplines do you think you guys are going to be able to really contribute to you know it might be stuff outside of your own department there is another part to this question which i'll ask in a minute but really you know let's talk about some of those craft or technical skills that you feel you're really able to contribute harrison i mean i feel like all of my my technical skills are very creature effect centric so i think what i can contribute in that regard. Well, I'll have to go back a little bit where there was a few years ago where we had started, we were really, really short on creature effects artists. And so we had to do a sort of a cross department training couple of weeks thing where we recruited some trackers and some of the runners and other people from other departments who were having more downtime sort of thing at the time to try to get them to come into creature effects and help out. And so I think that's sort of the thing where I would be able to contribute 
is if there was people who are looking, maybe switching departments and things like that, because uh, creature bikes is something that we are perpetually under crude for and constantly looking for people. And I feel like the the number of creature effects artists that just exist out there in the world isn't enough to meet the, the demand. Um, and so I think that's the thing that I would contribute is people who are looking for, you know, cross department mobility and things like that. Brilliant. I, I know, you know, Simon and I are having conversations with some of the, the, the leadership team at the company uh, around that very issue, actually. So, you know, that's something we're definitely going to be working on this year in terms of giving people opportunities to move from one department to another. So that's that's brilliant. Thank you. What about you, Camilla? Yeah, as, as I said in the previous episode, I just love Unreal and I love showing people what you can do with Unreal. Uh, so, of course, I'm more into characters and characters animation, I would say. I'm not the best person if you want to learn lighting in the real or rendering in the real. But yeah, for animators or riggers that want to understand how you translate what we do in the other softwares into Unreal, I think that's that's where my knowledge uh, comes to. Fantastic. And do, do you, um, you know, given that obviously animation uh, is, you know, something that isn't dependent on software, do you ever find yourself in a situation where you're working with uh, people who animate in, in the animation department? Is that something that you ever do? In our projects, you mean? Yeah, or, or you know, off projects as well. Is it? Is it? Do you guys ever communicate? Is there anything that that you work together on? Yeah, I think I'm always in between the rigors and the animation. Like we always need to kind of work together, even though we are our specific areas. I feel like I always need to talk to the rigger and I always need to talk to the animator. And yeah, it's it's just part of like to build something that works in the end we need to have the like very clear communication between us as a follow-up question what will you definitely not be preparing any trading for what's the thing that you just don't want to do anything with harrison let's talk about you and your role and, and what what is it that you think no chance i don't want to do that well, I think contrary to where a lot of people come from into this industry, uh, any sort of fine art background, um, I will not be preparing any training for drawing or anything like that. You would, you, you, you don't, you, you do not want me to do that. <laughs> is is that because you have a have a dislike of drawing, or is it, or is it, you know, is your skill level not where it needs to be? My 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 kid is about the same skill level as me when it comes to draftsmanship. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it's great that you can admit that on here. <laughs> Thank you. What about you, Camilla? Yeah, it's similar to to what I said. I think all lighting and you know lighting, texturing, uh, modeling, uh, making things like look pretty in a render. I think that's yeah, that's definitely a skill I don't have. I can make an animation work fine in the real, but to make that look beautiful is another step and <laughs> like visually beautiful. And yeah, it's really hard. That's why you're gonna hand it over to somebody else. Yes, yes. <laughs> Understood completely. Right. Okay. So um, 
I, I want to go back a little bit to, to one of the earlier questions, and, and hopefully you'll now understand why why I asked this particular question, uh, because it might it might just relate to some of the answers you gave earlier. Um, what hidden skill do you have that we don't necessarily know about that you could deliver some training in? And I'm going to start with you, Harrison. It's funny. I think the hidden skill that I have that would contribute to training is training. Um, it sounds kind of funny, but that's one of the things that I've really thought a lot about over these last couple of years. Because one of the things that I think is super important when it comes to like visual effects is there is no secret sauce or formula to make something work. There's no single way of doing something. And I think sometimes that's hard for people to necessarily wrap their, wrap their head around where they want to know, how do I do this? And I think that's something where I'm able to contribute is, well, here's how I would do it, or here's how different ways of people will do it and, and presenting stuff in a way that there's many ways to accomplish the same thing. So it's more training people in what is the end result that we're going for and how do you think through the process to get that result as opposed to here's how you do it. Um, and I think that's the thing that will actually help people grow to be really skilled artists. So, so it's more, I guess, more about problem solving, perhaps. And one hundred percent. That's the that's the word I should have been looking for. Yeah, problem solving. Teaching that is something that I think, especially people coming straight out of school, tend to have less experience doing because schools are generally set up with here's how you do this thing. Honestly, 75% of our day is figuring out why something's not working. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's quite often harder to actually do the task yourself in the first place, right? For sure. That's where the real difference between like the junior artist and the senior artist come into play is some the same thing does not work for them, but a senior artist is like has the experience of stuff not working before and being able to think through trying to pinpoint what it is that's actually not working. That's a fantastic answer. And, and, you know, certainly when we start thinking about how we're going to put our training together, I think that's love to get in, get you involved in that particular process, um, you know, to, to get your thoughts and ideas on that. I was hoping you're going to start talking about piano, being able to teach people how to play <laughs> piano, but, you know, we, we might get that out of you soon as well. Well, sure. If we want to have some piano lessons, I'd be game. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we might need to convince uh, the company to buy a few extra keyboards, however. Let's see how we go with that one. Oh, I, li I like that. I like that idea. <laughs> Camilla, what about you? Yeah, so before I start, I'd say 95% of our day is trying to figure out what is not working. <laughs> Basically, that's, that's my day. Because of my marketing background, which I mentioned in the previous episodes, I am really good on PowerPoint and Excel. I actually love Excel, but I love creating like PowerPoint presentations. So uh, sometimes I feel that's if I'm going to present something in a meeting, even though we are in a VFX environment and you can just share short video and things like that, I feel it's more clear to structure a PowerPoint presentation with five slides 
you know, you, you kind of bring everyone to the same page and you organize your thoughts to then show what you want to present. So, I mean, that, but that's what I do personally, and I'll be happy to share the knowledge. Brilliant. So, so winter evenings in your house are spent building Excel spreadsheets for fun, right? Believe me, uh, all my house costs and uh, salaries and expenses and holiday trips are all planned on Excel. <laughs> Fantastic. I'll be coming to you for some help. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, the, the, again, the reason I asked that question is, is that it's definitely something uh, I'm going to be asking people who sign up to the trainer network. You know, is there anything that isn't necessarily job related that you feel might be of interest to, to other people in the company because you know who knows there might be uh i think i spoke with some other people earlier this week about um acting as an example if there are any uh amateur actors out there who'd be comfortable delivering an acting class to some of our colleagues that would be awesome so you know that that question wasn't necessarily there as a as a bit of a joke it was there as a serious question because i think you know people do have skills that we don't necessarily know about we need to get those out so my final question which is is a bit drier is 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 just about your philosophical view of training and and i just wanted to know and it doesn't need to be a very long-winded answer i just wanted to know how important you feel training is in this industry um, and again, let's let's start with you, Harrison. Uh, I think it's super important. I think in terms of my philosophy on the training is we don't want to overlook resources that we have that we're able to get training from. Uh, like, for example, We've had people in our department, new hires, fairly junior people, but who actually do possess a skill set that people have been who have been here for a long time do not necessarily have. For for example, in Creature Effects, we only have a couple of people who are really good at coding and things like that, but we'll get a junior who is um, has tons of experience in Python, uh, who is able to then help people who are much more senior and things like that with this skill set. So it's not always from the top down training sort of thing. There's nobody who doesn't have some sort of life experience or a skill set that we can't learn from. So I think that's an important thing is that we utilize and sort of try to pull out and find these, these resources that exist right under our noses that we may not necessarily know about. That's, that's a brilliant answer. And that plays right into what this this whole idea of a trainer network is trying to do. So thanks for that. That really sort of encapsulated what we're trying to do in a, in a in a really nice way and i think if if everybody understands that they can always learn and it doesn't matter who you're learning from we all become better at what we do and we all become more rounded which is something that we've all been talking about during these these episodes thank you harrison uh camilla what about you i think for me is is a sense of like giving back to the community if that's the ph philosophical part i feel Sometimes we want to keep the knowledge to ourselves because that makes us feel a bit special and, you know, you don't want to share that because that's what makes you different. And if everyone knows what you know, then you'll be all the same. But actually, if everyone knows you know, then everyone knows more and then we all, we all will grow from there, you know. And 
I think that's the thing of the sharing the knowledge and then growing with it. That's that's what is most important. Brilliant. You know, if I if I go back to one of the analogies that I always use in business conversations is is, is football, uh, and there was a footballer from your hometown actually, a guy called Janino, played for my home team, which is Middlesbrough, and I always used to say the fact that he was coming in as a World Cup winner to a really small team like Middlesbrough would enable the people around him to learn. You know, I, I think that's, again, a brilliant response. It's about sharing our experience. And ultimately, we all benefit from that because if everybody around us becomes better, we as a team, as a company, become a better team and a better company. And who doesn't want to work for a better team and a better company? So I think you've given us some brilliant answers there, guys. And, and it's a real pleasure to have you involved in this. I hope that other people listen to this and, and sign up as soon as possible. Thank you, Chris. And uh, yeah, I'll follow up on that. I mean, the Trainer Network and Framestore is very lucky to have you both. I mean, the uh, that commitment to training, the, the words of wisdom you, you've, you've covered in both of our parts of this particular episode this week have been nothing short of inspiring. So thank you both so much. And, and Chris, great questions. Great set of questions there. That's almost a, a podcast format in itself. I think the more, we should have a splinter learning podcast. Uh, this is a learning podcast, but very specific around teaching and learning. I think that's great. A great, a great companion piece to be, to be episodes guys thank you so so much a couple of things for me anybody who's listening chris how do people get involved if somebody wants to get involved in the trainer network the new global trainer network how do they go about it well well right after uh right after the podcast gets released we're going to be putting a, a page up on confluence uh everybody's familiar with confluence and there's going to be a sign up sheet on there with a short range of questions not dissimilar to uh the mentorship program and that will help us build our directory and yeah just can't wait to get working with these guys um and develop some amazing training we want this to be the best the best in the business and i think with with your help we can make that happen well, it's really really exciting um, so thank you all. That brings our second part of this week's episode to a close. Um, thank you so, so much, Camilla, Harrison and Chris. Uh, before I let you go, are there any final words? Is there anything you'd like to plug, shout about, push out there before I, I let you go about your your day? I've already done my plug for my football team, uh, Middlesbrough Football Club, that is. I know, shameless. <laughs> <laughs> If there's nothing else, thank you, thank you, folks, and and uh, yeah, looking forward to bumping into you again, either virtually or physically soon. So thank you so much, and I never know how to close these things, so I'm going to say goodbye. <laughs> thanks, Simon. Thank you. That's good. Thanks for having us on. Well, that wraps up this week's episodes. What a great trio! It just leaves me to thank Camilla and Harrison for being brilliant guests, and Chris for being this week's most excellent guest co-host. If you like what you've heard and want to join Framestore's training network, don't delay. Head to Confluence for more information or email the training team. We'll be back next week with another special guest from our Framestore community. I'll give you a clue. We're doubling down on management and leadership, so you don't want to miss this one. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then.